Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vets. Manu, how's your week been? Yeah, it's it's been all right. Uh, I mean, busy. We have Bundesliga midweek games and... And we were supposed to do Cobra Max games tonight, but um, that's not happening. Um, some sad news coming out of Mexico, but talk about that in a moment. Bryce, how are you? How is uh, London? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I suppose things have calmed down since the uh, Cologne-Arsenal game that I was at uh, last week. And yeah, it seems like normality has resumed uh, well, a little bit, I suppose. But yeah, we've got... Um, We've obviously had a good weekend of uh, Bundesliga action, didn't we? Uh, but now we're here to, to talk about uh, Liga MX and things Mexican. Unfortunately, as you said, uh, we do have um, a little bit of sad news. Uh, well, qu- quite massive um, news, actually. And that is that another earthquake has hit uh, Mexico City um, just earlier today as well. We record on uh, Tuesday here. And... Yeah, that this is a rather large one in 7.1 um, earthquake scale, which thankfully here in the UK we're lesser familiar uh, with those kind of terms. But obviously, uh, Manu, uh, you being over the water and you know, in certain areas that it, it happens a, a bit more often, uh, you'll be able to explain just uh, how bad that is. But uh, it's um, it's hit Mexico City. And at the moment uh, of us recording, uh, they say that there's up to uh, 47 people reported dead, which is absolutely horrific uh, news. Uh, this has meant that, yeah, the Copa uh, American ge- or the Copa MX games have been, uh, well, they've been uh, postponed tonight, uh, rightfully so, just because of the, the news and also because, uh, well, the likes of the Azteca Stadium has been hit as well. And I think that there's been a post showing that uh, part of the, Part of the stand actually cracked, so uh, I mean, there's many reasons why this got cancelled, and uh, r- rightfully so. Really, it's a, I, I can't imagine that anyone would really have their uh, minds set on the games tonight. Um, Manu, uh, awful news, but I mean, uh, you, obviously, uh, we want to hear you speak about this, but also uh, maybe explain just what a 7.1 earthquake is, or you know, what exactly does that mean for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit complicated, Bryce, because it's that's of course the Richter scale, right? And uh a seven point one um is is a big one. You know, everything over five you will you'll feel. Um you will feel significantly. I've I've experienced a few fives and um it means that the 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 ground will rock and there will be significant shaking and everything above that increases significantly. Um, we had recently an earthquake that was above eight in, in Mexico, but that was off the Pacific coast. So, you know, although the, the, the earthquake was a lot bigger than this one, it was further away. The epicenter was further away from Mexico City or any populated area. And that's why, you know, the shock wasn't as big. This earthquake was a lot closer to the city. Um, just a few few kilometers south, north of Mexico City, and um, as a result, you know, um, this earthquake, even though it is a seven point one, and therefore less, you feel it more. And there's there's other ways that you have to keep into account. How deep was the earthquake? Right? How deep was the epicenter? Um, the latest earthquake I experienced was a five point zero. It wasn't. Not necessarily a strong earthquake, but it felt very strong because I was only about, 
10 kilometers away from the epicenter. So it feels very strong close to the epicenter. And it was a shallow earthquake, which also means that you, you feel the impact a lot stronger. So, um, Richter scale only gives you an indication of how strong the shaking is, but it, it does, it, or how strong the impact is, but it doesn't, there's a lot of other factors that play in, play into this. So this 7.1 was a strong earthquake. And when you, when you look at the pictures that we see from Mexico City right now coming out of there, you know, you, you can see that by the building shaking, there's a whole bunch of videos on, on YouTube already, uh, newspapers have shown videos. And it's quite significant shaking with a lot of the building and uh, several buildings have collapsed. I mean, these, we're getting the numbers in as we speak, right? 20 buildings have collapsed. Um, that shows you that it is a very strong and earthquake in a 7.1 that's very close to the city. Now, the bizarre thing about this is this is actually the anniversary of the 1985 earthquake that killed several thousand people in Mexico City. So, you know, the, the standard of construction in Mexico City has gone up quite a lot following the 1985 earthquake and actually all over North America because of strong earthquakes, not only in Mexico city, but also in San Francisco. And, um, the, it shows you that, you know, as bad as this quake was and as bad as it is that people have died, it shows you that, you know, the, the city has gone a long way of making buildings safer. Now, um, you mentioned the Azteca and there is a crack in the Azteca, and it's therefore no surprise that a lot of games have been canceled. I believe all the games have been canceled as we speak right now, for at least for the Cobra MX, right? Yeah, that's right. They all have been uh, canceled, um, uh, postponed. And, uh, well, I suppose we wouldn't be that surprised, really, Manu, would we, if uh, they got canceled uh, this weekend? I mean, things may change. And we have spoke uh, previously that, you know, people need football you know, to distract mm. themselves from uh you know, from different uh, horrible incidents happening uh, around the world, which all seem to happen too often, unfortunately. But uh, the, this might be more of a concerning case. Something was to happen, I think, within the ground, or or maybe it's uh, still a bit too fresh. And you know, you, you can't really blame it. I mean, it's a it's a very it's a very troublesome time over there, isn't it? Um, I, I, well, we'll just have to um, keep you guys posted. Um, and I would say. Um, just keep looking on the Liga MX um, ENG or English um, hashtag you know, online for for updates. But um, I would say that there's going to be a lot of reporting uh, to do with this uh, earthquake. Uh, um, well, into the night, uh, and I'm sure when this podcast comes out uh, and even beyond, then I mean, absolutely horrific scenes. Um, we can just hope uh, that you know nobody else is caught up in this uh, and injured as as well you know it's absolutely horrible hopefully this is the last of it um i, I mean mexico to be honest is a country that has been hit by these types of uh, incidents before and i suppose if anyone's going to be prepared it's going to be uh, mexico but i suppose the question is how prepared can you be for something like this really mm. uh, absolutely uh, horrible so um yeah uh, i suppose we we can't really uh, predict whether the games are going to happen this weekend, but we can uh, yeah. keep our fingers crossed that things are a bit more positive than they do go ahead. I yeah, I think the last the last message was from the Liga MX as well uh, themselves, and that was that the uh, Coba MX uh, Classico Joven has been suspended, and um, that is you know that game was supposed to take place tonight. Um, I believe that is the information that you've gotten from, from a couple of the homepages as well that you mm -hmm. use for, for data, right? Um, Club America, of course, they're supposed to play the big game 
at the Azteca against Chivas this Saturday. Now that's only four days away. Um, I, I'd be, to be quite honest, I'd be very surprised if that game takes place. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, because events are going to be raw, but they've also got a, a crack in the stand. I mean, you know, surely, surely that can't be a safe procedure to get people in and you know, fill up even even just the rest of the stadium, you know, without knowing actually whether that is entirely safe or not. You know, until repairs are are fully done. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, just read this. There's also supposed to be an NFL game supposed to take place at the. Um, Estadio Azteca and uh, that is even under question right now um, yeah I mean this is, this is the, I've read one report too I mean we, we this, this is this might all sound odd to, to some of the listeners but we're literally reading this as it comes in uh, that apparently the, 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 the crack in the Azteca um, that's normal that's structural so that's that seems to be okay um, so that's at least a piece of good news uh, that the the stadium seems to be okay um the the problem of course is with earthquakes and anyone who has been an earthquake knows this of course that you have to get out of buildings and you're often told to remain outside of buildings um after after it takes place because they have to check for structural damages which are often very deep in the foundation right so I guess again, um, maybe as we, as we go through this podcast and, uh, talk about some things, maybe towards the end, we can give another update, but uh, I guess we can sum it up, right? Uh, Bryce, no Coba Max games Tuesday, Wednesday, massive question mark behind the, uh, the big classical, uh, Chivas America for sure. I would say on Saturday. But uh, again, we'll see if we can find out anything in the next 50 minutes or so that we're on this podcast. Yeah, that's it. We'll obviously um, well keep people as updated as they possibly can. And they may already know the information by the time that this uh, podcast comes out. But uh, maybe we'll be able to uh, shed a little bit of uh, light on any uh, other news. But um, well, we're just going to have to uh, play this one out and just see what happens. Uh, but uh, yeah, let, let's um, let's focus on football. That's why uh, people um, tune into the podcast. You say uh, that <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. I'm looking at our agenda and I'm seeing the topic that comes up next. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I suppose I don't know if it's more football related or not. If I'm being honest, but uh, Rafa Marquez, hey. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he returned to uh, Atlas today. Um, I seen that he uh, tweeted uh, a photo online. Um, he's he's back in training. Um, Manu, does this mean that he is back available for selection, um, or, or 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 the club are, you know, what exactly you know, is the difference? I mean, was was he actually suspended by the club until it was resolved, and now they've uh, lifted that ban as such? Uh, no, I mean, this is, this is a good question. Well, first of all, we have to see if there is going to be football, right? And, um, on the weekend, big question mark on that still, right? Atlas, um, they, you know, the, the problem with uh, Rafa Marcus is, of course, that he, his, his visa to the US has been resigned. Um, those who did not listen to that podcast, Rafa Marcus, of course, former Barcelona, Defender played in the, for New York Red Bulls in the United States. He has been put on 
uh, the a list of the issued by the U.S. Treasury Department, right, in connection um, for um, with a drug cartel in, in Mexico, which means that all his companies and um, all his companies and he himself is under investigation. Um, he was among 22 people sanctioned. Uh, if you're on that sanction list, it's it's quite severe because it means all your funds are frozen. Your visa is resigned to the United States. And anyone doing business with you, if you're found guilty, will be automatically sanctioned as well. So this is, um, you know, a dangerous piece of news for him uh, as he's trying to clear his name. You know, proven uh, innocent until proven guilty, as we say, right? And uh, we'll have to see. But the, the problem for Atlas, of course, is if they um, conduct any kind of business. And that means paying him out his contract, paying him bonuses, or playing him, and he's found guilty. Then then they can put technically be put on the sanction list. And, I mean, we have examples of that in the past where Colombian teams that were owned by the drug cartels uh, in Colombia were put on what they called back then the Clinton list. As a, it's very well described in the television show Narcos, um, which deals, of course, with the, the drug cartels in, in Mexico and the, the, uh, various, uh, the, the various way they wash their money and, uh, the way the Clinton list tried to shut down businesses associated with drug cartels in order to shut down, um, drug cartels washing their money through legal businesses, right? And in the Latin American world, that often means football. So that's why um, it's it's very dangerous for any kind of club um, to get put onto this list. So uh, the, the, the news, the latest news, of course, is that, you know, he is uh, he's now training again. He, he posted a picture. I got that alert today on my phone as well. Rafa Marcus has tweeted for the first time in a long time. This was in August, right, Bryce? When when this first, when this all came came to heat? Yeah, it was. Um, it came at a time when, well, Atlas were looking fairly strong in you know the Apertura, and you. Know, we, I mean, Ollie and I um, had spoke uh, previously. Well, t- I mean, joked a little bit because it was early days, but we said you know for them to possibly get to the Gia final, you know, and I I think that's something I always kind of uh, hope to happen because they haven't. Uh, you know, won a title since the fifties, and yeah, when, obviously when this came out, I mean, the whole footballing world was was in shock, and it seemed to uh, shock and rock um, Atlas quite hard in that they never really recovered from that, and they've been on a downward spiral since. And yeah, they've they've really struggled. I'm sure that they would like to have him back in the side, but I I don't think things uh, are going to quite go as smoothly, you know, uh, with all this. It's not like somebody has been out from suspension from being uh, sent off or, you know, out with injury. I mean, there's, there's you know, there, there's still going to be a lot of, um, well, a lot of work to kind of completely clear his name, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very tricky and a very odd situation. I mean, Rafa Marquez, we've spoke, uh, you know, on podcasts uh, previous to this, haven't we, that, you know, he was very much uh, a un- you know, player union man uh, looking for, you know, looking out for player rights. And, you know, he, he liked uh, donating to charities um, and donating to the, uh, you know, the, the different neighborhoods that he grew up on, you know, that's um, obviously very poor, um, you know, looking out for people. So, he, he was one of the last players we would have expected um, to be even tied with this. Obviously, as you said, you know, innocent until proven uh, guilty. But, 
you know, just for him to be linked to it. I mean, we all know what what happens you know, when when even just a media outlet you know, links um, a celebrity or a footballer to um, to different uh, different topics uh, or situations, and you know, it, it can really affect their career. And I, it's it's affected Atlas in massive ways. And I don't think you know maybe him coming back on the pitch is going to instantly change their uh, fortunes. You know, I, th- I think unfortunately what started as a bright season for them has uh, been turned uh, rather sour, hasn't it? Um, this weekend uh, they obviously played Monterey, uh, lost two one, which uh, I don't think anybody would uh, really turn around and be uh, disappointed with that result with the the form that Monterey have been in. You know, I th- I think that um, you know losing to Monterey by one goal is a bit of an achievement uh, these days. You know, with mm-hmm. the firepower they've got, but. Um, yeah, them coming up against uh, Morelia. If that happens uh, this weekend, I mean Morelia haven't lost in in four. They had a, a, a good result at the weekend, and yeah, it could be another tricky one for Atlas. And I mean, Manu, does does this mean that? Um, I mean, what, when do they possibly think that Rafa can come back into the squad? Is it as of now, or? Well, you know, they they haven't really answered that um the, the only thing that is said that they that he's training again with with the squad and everything else they is going to stay up in the air i mean um atlas says marcus will continue his legal fight while at the team that's it you know so we'll get the yeah, answer pretty we'll vague get, yeah that's very vague um but they must feel pretty confident that you know he can clear his name uh, this, this, of course, you mention all those charities that uh, he has, and all of these charities are, of course, um, part of why he is suspected in the first place. You know, because it's um, there is suspicion that he's involved through those charities and football schools um, with, you know, the Raúl Flores Hernández uh, drug trafficking organization and. Um, this is the, this is the tricky thing about a country, um, you know, that is such, so, so intertwined with, um, where it's such a big part of society, right? And I can just see when you're grassroots, uh, when you help poor, poor people and grassroots organizations that you can very easily fall into this trap without actually even knowing. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and, um, see how it goes, but, um, it's a very tricky situation because, you know, the moment Atlas pay him anything and, uh, there is even an ounce of truth to it. You are very quickly in the spider web of the U S treasury department. They are, I don't want to say a mean organization, but they're an organization that will stick on you. And once you get that st- stigma on it, um, it's very tough to get out of it. We have a football Zidaja article actually on one of the Colombian teams, um, Atletico Nacional, um, that were involved, were put on the Clinton list. And they've just recovered from this. And this happened in the 1990s and they just recovered from it last season. So it took 20 years, you know, to, to get off the list and, um, achieve promotion because the club wasn't able to buy or sell players. They weren't able to sign sponsorship deals. You know, they weren't able to do anything. It completely, um, hampered everything they were able to do. So, you know, Atlas, I can see Atlas going to be very careful with how they're going to proceed with this yeah and as you said you know it's it's not something that's going to really be resolved overnight is it it's it's gonna rage on for a while this one um whether we see him on the pitch 
or not sooner or later this weekend where the games go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I suppose that time will tell with that as well. It's a, it's a little bit of a podcast of everything being up in the air at the moment, isn't yeah. it? Um, but, um, yeah, that, hence the nature of the, the topics that we're discussing. Um, Let's move on uh, to something a little bit brighter. Uh, I suppose they've been too uh, tricky and a little bit, uh, well, sad or or, or powering um, tales that we've spoken about so far. Uh, let's talk about Jonathan uh, Gonzalez, who is um, well, a bright young team uh, playing for um, or for Monterey at the moment. I mean, we we mentioned that Monterey have well, they've really been something else this year. In fact, they're only one game. Uh, one win away, should I say, from actually qualifying for the league, which is unbelievable. And they're still on track for getting the most amount of points uh, ever uh, in a campaign. Um, and, yeah, Jonathan Gonzalez has been playing in part of that uh, central um, midfield three. And, yeah, oh, at the age of 18, uh, the young American is, yeah, he, he looked very good. He, he looks... He looks very confident on the ball, and yeah, it, it seems like you or it seems like uh, they're very happy to uh, to keep him in the side even at this young age. So definitely um, a bright future for him. But um, Manu, there's a little bit of a trouble uh, surrounding his uh, nationality at the moment, isn't there? I mean, the U.S. and uh, El Tri seem to be uh, arguing over him a little. I, he's an American citizen, as far as I know, but he's played for the U.S. under 17s. I mean, where where is he going to? Um, where is he going to pledge his allegiance here? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. The U.S. of course is hoping he's sticking it uh, with the United States. Um, that's it. I've heard Osario is eager to call him up yeah. as well, and it'll probably be. I wouldn't blame uh, him to be honest. I mean, no, <laughs> the Americans are very. Uh, I saw a couple of tweets today and then they, they pointed out, you know, because the Weston McKinney was deputing for Schalke today and Christian Pulisic, of course, is in good form and they, they were, they were really happy. Some, some of the analysts and down and down south were very quick to point out that all these amazing players that they have, um, in the systems of other leagues and that's how they have a bright future. Um, of course, and they didn't develop any of these players themselves. They were all developed by, by clubs and countries um, that are not American, um, which is, of course, even funnier when you consider that you recently had a coach. Uh, you have a coach in the United States right now who has called some of these these players openly foreigners and um, criticized Jürgen Klinsmann in the past about playing all these foreigners. So um, it'd be interesting what he's going to decide. I mean, this, this one, he's a very interesting one because he's actually played his youth football in Argentina at, uh, Atletico Santa Rosa. So, you know, <laughs> you know, um, he wasn't he's even well traveled, well traveled, <laughs> little, well traveled kid born in Santa Rosa, California, but, um, learned how to play football abroad, which probably is the reason why he is doing as well as he is. I mean, you have a similar stories with Weston McKinney and, uh, um, Christian Pulisic, you know, we went over to, we left the United States at an early age because the system is so broken. Um, the, the pay for football, you have to pay, pay money to play football there at the grassroots, which is, of course, one of the big reasons why they struggle, uh, to produce the amount of players necessary to make the next step. So oftentimes you have young talents go abroad very early on and that's where they make the next step. So, you know, maybe they need to lose a couple, um, 
like you know Jonathan Gonzalez, um, and I, I wouldn't blame him. You know, he's he's given he's been given first team appearances playing in Liga MX, and um, you know he has he, he, although he's born in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, obviously, you know the, the Mexican background, and um, it wouldn't hugely surprise me if we all get to see him play uh, for Mexico rather than the United States. And you know, you can't forget that the United States, on many occasions, has benefited from Mexican-born players um, or players born from the diaspora or the Mexican diaspora, and then that cho- chose to play for the United States. So you know, you get some, you lose some. That's the way I see it. Yeah, again, where he pledges his legions, so we're going to have to wait for that one as well. A lot of uh, a lot of topics we're having to to wait for, aren't we? But, but he's um, such an interesting player, though, Bryce, because he played he played yeah. in that very difficult four three three formation, right? And to play in that central role in a four three three isn't exactly easy. I mean, you you Definitely see not. you you see, you know that that means you pivot the entire formation, and you have Carlos Sanchez and Celso Ortiz on either side, and. um rating by SofaScore, which is our go-to app uh, these days for any kind of statistics. So a little shout out to them. But I mean, that's, that's, that's quite fundamental because, you know, the way Monterey is set up with all these dynamic players, you need almost an anchor um, to be able to switch back and forth between attacking play and defensive play. And he did that quite well, I I thought, you know, um, so really interesting talent and, um, Really, you know, really fascinating to see another young guy break into into Liga MX. And yes, they did play uh, Atlas, who who are in a little bit of trouble. Um, I see, I see. Uh, our friend Raphael Morganson didn't play. Did he come on later on? Bryce, did you catch that? He did. He did oh, actually come on. He did um, come on. Yeah, uh, I think he was um, a little. A little quiet, uh, but I mean, um, <laughs> I suppose uh, it, it's it's always a big ask, isn't it, to come off the bench, you know, on your uh, on your debut and you know, really, uh, well, r- really take take the game by storm. But um, he did okay without really dazzling, uh, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, I'm trying to look at his stats here. I mean, yeah, I just see it: yeah. nine passes, sixty-nine point two percent pass accuracy. One cross, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't without being spectacular. Um, I noticed that um, in the stats. I mean, something that we always would have imagined him to to have in his um, in his top drawer is, um, is is the ability to dribble and run at players. And yeah, he failed to uh, to get much of the ball and run at anyone. So, so yeah, a little bit. Uh, a little bit disappointed uh, by that, uh, but I I think we're going to have to uh, to watch a little bit more of him and uh, study. Well, there's plenty of reasons to study Atlas, but that that's just uh, another one, isn't it? Just to see how our Mars bar fueled uh, friend gets <laughs> on there. <laughs> um, but yes, um, definitely um, seems to be sparking up uh, plenty of interest. Um, you across the water in the UK. A lot of people kind of talking about it. Um, so once again, as we mentioned, that's only a good thing for uh, Liga MX with all these uh, new stars coming their way. Um, but yeah, um, I feel we need to uh, talk about uh, well, talk about the games uh, this weekend. Um, I, and I suppose uh, Manu, you and, and Ollie, who yeah. Uh, yeah, isn't with us at the moment, but he says he will return uh, very soon, and we've still got faith in him. Um, uh, you guys watched the uh, well, 
it wasn't the game that we had picked out as um, the game of the week, but it turned into possibly the game of the week, and that was Morelia um, versus uh, Tigres. Um, do, you, do you want to talk us through this one? I mean, it was, it was um, a real goal fest. Oh, my word. Go on YouTube, get the highlights. Um, they are online, and you can watch them. And this game ended 3-3. And Morelia is... Has impressed me this, this season, actually, Bryce. They're currently in seventh. You know, they were a relegation candidate last year, right? And they're looking really good. And when you look at this game, I mean, 49% to 51% ball possession. And this is Monarchus against Tigers. And Tigers are, you know, maybe the best team put together outside of Europe right now. A fantastic side. Uh, total shots 17 to 15. That's hockey stats, man. I'm Nick. <laughs> that's, it, that's it is. insane. I mean, insane. You look across the, you know, the stats and you know, whether it's uh, your know, possession or even the shots had, and they really met them toe to toe. Yes, they may have had the home advantage, but we're talking about a Tigres side, you know, that's full of big names. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at the front three. You know, Eduardo Vargas, who I must say is. is had a pretty good start to the season. Yes, he's maybe not scored uh, as many as maybe uh, one of his uh, colleagues in Enter Valencia, but he, he's had a very positive season or season so far. You know, with his assists uh, popping up with a few goals. Enter Valencia, as I just mentioned, you know, he's he's getting uh, quite a few goals um, this season, and he's looked very lively um, in one or two games. Too lively and got sent off. But um, and then you've you've got uh, Gignac who. Um, Always seems to uh, go quiet for a little bit, and then he just comes out roaring, doesn't he? And get, yeah. gets gets you tons of goals all of a sudden. Yeah, but uh, Bryce, the- you almost wonder if that Tigris side is too top heavy, you know? And you you see yeah, a result but- like that, and because they played, this is this is the so this top three. They had Eduardo Vargas on the left, and Valencia center forward, and uh, Gignac on the right forward. So that's the four three three. Then they have Aquino. And Jurgen Damm playing in that three-man midfield. The only one who likes to backtrack in the midfield is Carioca, you know, the, the guy that brought in from Brazil, who we featured in last week. And then even the, the, the wingbacks, Torres and Duenas are players who like to go up front rather than defend. So it almost looks like that side is too top heavy, too many attacking minded players almost. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably go along with that if, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, I, I do rate, uh, Hugo Ayala, um, at center back. I think he, he's one of the better center backs in the league. Uh, Juninho, who, who played alongside him, I, I don't think it, it, it's fine, but I don't think he's quite as good. And Carioca, well, he's new to the league, isn't he? You know, and um, he's only got two games under his belt. But they they really need that anchor that we talked about uh, Gonzalez being, um, because everyone else is bombing on, and it's all fine and well when that comes off. But you know, you leave somebody, you know, you're going to leave so much space up top, aren't you? You know, and eventually a team's going to hit you with that. And you know, Rui Diaz. He's the perfect type of player to be in that position. If you lump the ball up quick, uh, counter, he can hold it up, you know, and, and play the ball left or right. Um, and I mean, he, he did get in the goal, you know, on the score sheet this weekend. Not, not exactly playing like that, but you know, it, it's teams like that with players like that that could almost take advantage uh, of a Tigres side like this. 
Um, I don't know as well. I mean, Tigres, for all their firepower that they have, I, we end up talking about, you know, how they've got these stars, but we, we talk all too often about them not quite being as good as what the, we feel they should be. Uh, mm-hmm. All too often, I feel, uh, normally in the, in the uh, like, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yes, this is a draw. This is fine. You know, they, this might just be an off day. It's not like they're doing bad in this campaign, but... You know that team. They they should be they should be really beating Morelia and really really played very well. Um, I I think they have been an exciting team. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, they they're two play Atlas this weekend, which really you would imagine them to pick up three points with how at, per Atlas have played. Uh, but yeah, they they drew one and won three. You know, of their last four, they're, they're definitely um. Definitely having a, a very good season. They've moved into the Lakia spots. They're up. They're up to seventh. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Nakaxa, but why not talk about Morelia? I mean, they almost got relegated last year and then had that fantastic end of the season and got into the Lakia. Mm. They they have just went on and on from that. They, they've been better and better. Raul Ruidas, Raul Ruidas, yeah, that's, again. That's why we'll always love him. Yeah. You know, for that performance last year, but also. Um, if if I'm being honest, I mean Morelli are obviously playing better uh, this season, but uh, you would have almost expected him to uh, go to a bigger side, mm. and that's no disrespect to Morelli, but he he's a he's a quality striker and he's very important for them. Yeah, I know absolutely, and you know scored of course, but um, I, I like the way they set this up. You know the four three. Four one three two gave them that extra bit of stability. Um, you know, having Lascano, um, although you know he had to come off, but it, the the idea is right to to have almost um, um, an extra midfielder in there who can who can float back into that defensive line and um, pivot the midfield and um, you know act as a breaker against a side like Tigers and Tigers. They look a little bit off balance. That's, that's just it. Maybe the last thought for, for me from this game is that they just look a little bit off balance and, uh, Kolochichak maybe, you know, um, could be the answer. He's, of course, he's just joined and, um, from Borussia Mönchengladbach and, um, will need some time until he's game ready. But I think that extra defender, an experienced defender who played, of course, at La Liga. Uh, played very little in the Bundesliga, but has plenty of La Liga experience. I think he will do um, a world of good for them in that defensive line. You know what? I, I almost feel like uh, they've missed out on... Uh, you know, Gary Medell was obviously linked with different mm. uh, Liga MX sides, and he would have been a fantastic addition. Yes, we've seen him play for Inter doing a bit of a... A Mascarano in a way that he was originally a defensive midfielder, but then dropping back to a centre back. But him maybe being in that holding role, and he has that better bite, and he covers a lot of ground. He maybe would have been a fantastic um, addition yeah. to that side. Medell you know? is too short for me to play that position, Bryce. I, I seen him. Mascarano shorts. Yeah, he just did a fine job at it. Yeah, maybe in a, in a back three, but. Um, <laughs> That doesn't seem to be the, the formation that, you know, um, Tigers want to play with the back three. They, they seem to be stuck on that 4 3 3. So, you know, and then, then it becomes difficult. Ricardo Ferretti is, um, I haven't, have never seen him play with back three, to be honest. And, um, maybe that's why someone like him playing him in the back three, because 
you you can play a shorter defender in a back three because you can have another two defenders that are you know that are, you can use for that aerial superiority. If you don't have that in in a in a back four, right? Then you all of a sudden you 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 are a little short in the true sense of the word, and that's I think where um it's a little bit of a risk dropping in someone like uh, Medell. You see some they brought in Kolochichak, right? And a classic center back. Uh, and that makes sense for the way they're playing. Yeah, well, uh, Ferreira actually did start the season off with a, a back three. And it, it took some people by surprise because he has always been a, well, a disciple of the back four. And I, I think because things didn't go well and, you know, these, these things take, take time obviously oh. to gel that I, I think he just scrapped it, if I'm being honest. And I, I don't think they, I don't think they t- they had the personnel to play a back three. Um, you know, Duenas uh, played, tried to cover the back three, you know, and being that uh, anchor as we talked. But mm. I, I mean, <laughs> they, if uh, I'm looking at um, one of the examples, uh, which game was this that I've, I've, I've picked out? Uh, was it against Cruises? No, it wasn't against Cruises. Oh, my bad. Uh, but I mean, it just when you think, you know, uh, the team aren't getting enough cover. Um, I mean, he ended up putting with the, with the back three on. He put even more attacking players on. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this. You had Enner Valencia and, and Gignac up top, Aquinos, uh, Vargas, Dam, uh, Zellerian, um, all four of them attacking players sitting in behind those two. So that that's six up top, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you know, then then you join us, you know, in the anchor role, and then just the three guys at the back. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's so dumb. We were talking about it being top heavy. That's, that's even uh, beyond that. But uh, to go back to uh, Morelia, um, and talk about Ray Diaz and how much we, we do like him and, and, you know, we, we sing his praises. He scored, uh, this weekend, uh, once again. And I was thinking, I don't know whether he's been as prolific this year. And I've, I've just even looked at his stats as well, just to confirm it. And he started seven games. He scored six goals. I yeah. mean, that just shows just how good he is. A scoring frequency of one goal every 107 minutes. I mean, that that just shows you just how good he is. And I think Morelli are going to pick up three points uh, this weekend against Atlas as well. And I can't see that changing at all. Mm. Um, if, if if we look at yeah, Tigres, well, I mean, Tigres... Who did they have this weekend? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Tigres actually have a Veracruz at home, so you know they, they'll probably look forward to facing them and probably uh, pick up uh, the three points there as well. Uh, normality will resume, but um, I, I don't think they're going to keep the clean sheets that uh, likes of uh, Monterrey and be as defensive as they are. But um, yeah, the game that we had uh, picked out as uh, game of the week was uh, Jolas or or Tijuana, uh, hosting uh, Club America, where actually uh, Miguel Herrera was returning to his old side. He left them in the summer to return to Club America, this uh, being his uh, second occasion there. Um, and we we, we kind of said, didn't we, uh, start of the year, that both these teams would probably have a, a bit of a transitional year. New coaches, few new signings. You know, it, it was going to take them time, and they definitely started slow. The first uh, three match days for uh, Tijuana are really nuts, uh, going well at all and Club America they obviously lost to uh, Veracruz twice didn't they in in this the super 
Cup and then the first game of the season. But both teams have come very strong since then. I mean, th- this was second against third. Um, it ended up a, a one-all draw, ascending off on both sides. There was a penalty missed. Mm. Um, I, I must say, I, I personally think uh, Tijuana probably should have won this game. Um, and yeah, th- it's it's meant that uh, Tijuana dropped on to fifth, uh, but keeps America in second. But both these teams, um, boy, have they turned a corner. And th- th- they both look really good, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, they, we had some question marks about uh, Cholos in particular. Uh, remember when we had Cesar on, um, was an expert on them, and things did not look very good for them at the time. At all. At, at all. all. They, and, they looked really poor. And... Um, yeah, some magic, uh, I guess, uh, you know, really good work by the coaching staff at Cholos to put together. And I, mean, I think, um, Cesar was quite, quite adamant about that, wasn't he? That, uh, Eduardo Coudet needs time because it's a completely new team that they put together and, um, made some big changes over the summer. And it's, it's been working out for them, uh, in the long run. And it's shows you that Cholos are a well-run team too, because they had the patience to stick to Codet and give him the time to cobble together this team on the fly, um, and, uh, put together a strong side. And I, I enjoyed this game a lot, Bryce. Um, I actually almost enjoyed this game more than I enjoyed the 3-3 because it was tactically very interesting to watch. Um, that, you know, five, three, two that Codet put together t- to answer the firepower, um, Miguel Herrera's four, three, three, um, was an interesting move. Of course, this, this, that five, three, two turns into a three, five, two going forward. It's a, it's a very flexible, um, lineup. And I, I thought it, it suited them well, you know, um, having, uh, especially that three-man midfield with Corona. Musto, of course, uh, went off with a red, yellow red card, uh, 88th minute, I believe it was. And Victor Malcoro was um, maybe the best player. And um, it it really gave them that uh, ability to soak up the pressure that they expected um, Club America to put on them. But at the same time, also, um, you know, re- keep the ball. And, um, that's what they did. I mean, when you, when you look at the statistics, it's, it was 65 to 35% ball possession for Club Tijuana, which when you look at this lineup is not what you expect because it's a lineup where you expect the, the stronger team to, to pressure and keep the ball. But, um, it was, it was almost like, and I mean, for some time, uh, 58th minute, I think Club America received their red card. For some time, Tijuana had a man more, but they were consistently the better team. And um, despite that defensive formation, kept the ball and uh, put a lot of pressure. And I mean, Bryce, look at these stats. 17 to 7 shots for Tijuana. Shots on target, 8 to 4. Shots inside the box. Inside the box, 12 to 3. I mean, um, that's remarkable. It's actually remarkable that Club America walked away with a point from this game. And this is... You know, Club America is quickly becoming one of those sides that could perhaps challenge the likes of Monterey and uh, Tigers in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what? Um, I I don't see why not. I th- I think they they looked fantastic uh, at the weekend. I mean, as you said, the the stats. I mean, I've I've just looked at them. I mean, uh, 
you know, for the first time since uh, the game of the weekend. And <laughs> my word, I mean, 420 passes to 230. You know, yeah. that, 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 that just sums it up. They completely play them off the park. Um, I mean, there was an early American, American goal. Um, so they obviously have that to play against. I mean, Oh, and I, th- I think I'm going to have to mention. So, so for football side, I obviously did the preview for this. I highlighted this is the the game of the week. Um, of course, of course, the two players I picked out uh, to be the player to watch was Gustavo Bo and uh, and Romero for a, for a Club America, and both of them were possibly the two worst players on the pitch. I mean, uh, Bo um, didn't show up. He had been very consistent. He had scored, I think, five and five. He missed a penalty. Uh, it, it was actually saved. And Romero didn't really show the promise. He, Romero's had a bit of a, a, a troubled time up top for uh, Club America. As much as he's very much a, a team player, he struggled for goals. He got two fantastic goals uh, last week. And I thought maybe he's going to crack on. Didn't happen. So I cursed both of them while I say this week. Um, but uh, yeah, Bo missed a penalty. And if I'm being Honest, uh, I, I I think you know some uh, goalkeeping heroics um, for America managed to to keep them keep them in the game. Uh, I, I really think that um, you know Tijuana look good. Mm. I think they look really good. I I think yes. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk a bit about Monterey. I mean, we've talked uh, I suppose plenty about them, but you know they're, they're possibly going to set a record uh, if they win their next game. Uh, I mean, they're going to have so many games that eh, I, I suppose you could look at that isn't going to count, really. You know, that they can lose, they can rest players if they wanted to. I don't think they should. I don't think they will. Yeah, they want to finish know, first, though, Bryce, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone does. No. But I'm just saying that, you know, that they can take the foot off if they wanted. Uh, but, you know, Mo- that's how good Monterey have been. But mm. when it comes to the gear. You never know. They're one-off matches, aren't they? You know, and that's where Home nobody like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, sorry, yeah, one one-off uh, games, uh, one-off ties. Will I say with mm. uh, home away legs? But um, you know, you can just read your read your game for one, get a draw on the other, and go through. You know, it's not like the the league campaign, and I don't see why anyone, if they get to the gear can't go on and uh, potentially win it then because of the way that it's set up. And yeah, Tijuana, why not? They set themselves up really, really well. And I don't think anyone predicted them to do as well. I think they were very unlucky with the scoreline. And Herrera will be happy that he's managed to, uh, to leave there uh, with a point. Yeah, um, but look at Club America now, Bryce. They're only six points behind Monterey in second. Yeah, well, that's I mean, remarkable too, considering where they started. Oh yeah, definitely. I think they've had a fantastic start after being so slow. But do do you think that they catch Monterey? No, well, <laughs> that's a danger. Oh, that's a danger I, of reaching the Ligoela so early, right? Yeah, because it's very easy to just take yeah. your foot off and just not really have that drive. Oh, that you you did don't have. want to do that. I mean. uh Living living in North America, I know how important it is to get hot at the right time when you play uh, playoff football, play any sport, playoff sport. And, um, you know, you know, we covered the, the Vancouver Whitecaps very closely and had a horrible start to the season, very poor start to the season. And um, getting hot now just before the playoffs and um, just squeezed into the first place actually last week. 
And um, the reason I'm mentioning this is because in the past they've reached the playoffs, but they uh, started the season very hot and then um, sort of were in a playoff race and then kind of, you know, took the foot off the pedal a little bit. And then you get into the playoffs and you're in that mentality that you didn't have to race into the playoffs, right? So your, your winning mentality isn't there because you kind of, you kind of just got in and this, you know, that you, it was all easy for you. And you first, at first, you face that first bit of adversity and then boom, you're out. So it's, that's, that's, that's the challenging part about a playoff system is that you want to, um, get hot at the right moment in order to win in the playoffs. So that's why you see a team like Tigers. You know, um, being outside of the Liguella last season for most of the season and then press for the playoffs late. And then they take that momentum into the playoffs and then reach the final. That's how, that's how, how that happens, right? So that's, that's the big danger of doing a Monterey, what Monterey is doing right now. They can wrap it up next match day, right? If next match day takes place, um, that's still a question mark, but how do you keep that momentum going? Once you're in the playoffs, a uh, big question mark for me there. Yeah. And, and that's it. I mean, if you look at the table, the table will obviously change many times over before, you know, it's decided, but Chivas are sitting down in 12. Can they get into the Ligue? Of course they can. There's still plenty of points on the boards uh, to, to be got. And I mean, just as you said, you know, you take that bit of momentum. They've taken the foot off first versus eighth. You know, it's a different ball game, isn't it? It's it's a very different, uh, it's a different competition altogether. You know, and um, I mean, you'd be you'd be silly not to um, if you were putting a bet on to uh, to bet against uh, Monterey. Uh, but it's just it's going to be different, and possibly qualifying so early, as you said, may not be the best thing for them. But I still think that that's going to happen uh, rather soon. Um, I, I know we've, we always have like a bit of a, an order to get through. Uh, and we're going to talk um, about a team that haven't been doing so well uh, recently. But I feel that um, I feel that just very quickly, we'll, we'll talk about um, Cruz Azul managed to pick up a, a victory this weekend, didn't they? And them and Monterey, as we mentioned, both still unbeaten. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, really, you know. Um, people may have said with the signings and stuff, you know, you know, the, the money that Monterey have, you know, and, and the side that they are. Sure. Okay. Nine games in. It's not that unbelievable that they'd be unbeaten, but, but Cruz is old. We're sitting in fourth after nine games and unbeaten. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think many people would have called that. Yeah. And, uh, the, the Santos Laguna with three red cards in this game. Um, Congrats. That's certainly, amazing. <laughs> certainly helped on this occasion, but, but Bryce, it's still, um, it's still a feat. Bryce, you mentioned something really important and you, you mentioned it earlier. And I think this is, this is going to be, and people will underestimate that, um, Cruz's soul are getting the results that you need to be successful in the Ligoela. Remember, it's a home and away. Yeah. And they pick, always pick up a point at least. If you, Bring that kind of mentality to playoffs. You're going to win the playoffs. I know this sounds crazy coming out of my my mouth, but if you never lose in the playoffs, you're going to win the playoffs. It's really that yeah. simple, right? Well, because it's in a home and away. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, we we spoke um, previously, didn't we? Um, oh God, I've forgotten his name. Um, Jason Marquez. 
No, 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 no. That's um, <laughs> definitely um, a figure from the past in the in the uh, Ukrainian uh, coaching. Oh, Valery uh, Lobanovsky, yes. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one. It just rolls off your tongue. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's uh, not really a name that we're used to in Northern Ireland. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he spoke, didn't he? He goes, try and draw your away games and you win your home, home games. Uh, and look at what they're doing. I mean, yeah. the the one, two, and drew three at home. Yeah. You know, and they've won one and drew three away. I mean, this is perfect cup situation, yeah. a winning mentality. And you, I, I wouldn't like to face them if I'm, if no. I'm being honest. They're not right now. No, they're a hard team to break down. Yeah, I agree. Mind, mind you, um, yeah, they're maybe not scoring as many as uh, other teams, but yeah, I think Cruzeiro could be on for a fairly uh, successful season. Let's let's see how that one pans out, but. Uh, yeah, aside that, we're obviously started out very well. We talked about a few teams that started out badly and then they've come good. Well, Lubos, um, mm. our team that um, have kind of went the other way, haven't they? Um, still yet to get a uh, TV deal, which is absolutely bizarre. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that you know we're nine games in. Uh, Manu, uh, you, me, any of the other uh, League MX fellas, uh, you know, reporting online, we haven't been able to watch any of their home games apart from maybe dodgy crappy quality streams out there and this is just i mean this rage is on but it's it's not caused problems because obviously we talk about you know them being uh on the tv and people being able to watch it that's good advertisement sure and marketing for you but that also brings money into the club and this is a side that don't have much money and this has caused major problems of being asking their fans haven't they to invest and and yeah. give them money and man it's, it's caused many a problems hasn't it yeah, you know, we, we talked about how good of a story Lobos is at the beginning of the season and they did win this week. Um, you know, which is good news. Um, the problem, of course, is, and this is a big problem, is that they now have pulled a doubt over the entire promotion relegation system. Um, we don't want promotion relegation to go away. I think this is one of the big weakest weaknesses of uh, Major League Soccer is that there's no promotion relegation. I really hope that Liga MX will not do this. I do think though that they need to change promotion and relegation. Um, as great as the story Lobos are, let's be fair, they should not ever been in the place where they could have gotten promoted to Liga MX simply because, you know, they didn't finish, um, above sixth place in the regular season and, simply got there because they won the playoffs. And that's maybe something to look at when you look at promotion. And the other thing to look at is, of course, relegation, this um, three-year system that puts a team on like um, a team like Atlas under jeopardy right now, which is, of course, absolutely ridiculous. And uh, it's something that we need, maybe needs to be visited. And uh, Lobos maybe. Uh, the financial situation at Lobos, the lack of a television deal at Lobos, the lack of infrastructure um, for a team, um, for a team that's really a second division team in all but its name, is maybe a sign that they have to um, have to look at it, uh, uh, look at the way teams get promoted to the, to the first division. So, I, I, you know, as bad as this is, um, it's almost a good thing, isn't it, Bryce? Because it makes the league answer some tough questions about the way um, Lobos sneaked into Liga Max. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, something has to be done. I mean, we, we, we talked about it previously, didn't we, that, you know, there, there's many of an issues for the promotion and, uh, and relegation. And 
It's it's a tricky one. I mean, there, there's talk that no one may get relegated this year, which is uh, another you know topic altogether. Um, and I I I think I think the way the league is set up, it's definitely um, definitely entertaining and mm. definitely different. And you'll remember it um, once you've probably listened to our first pod and we've spent an hour trying to trying to break it all down to you, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's not doing very much, is it, for um, for promoted sides and uh, having the the TV deal splits here, there, and wherever. I I don't think that's then doing uh, even the league uh, any benefit. I mean, yeah, sure, we we look at uh, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, or whatever, and and some people say, you know, especially the Premier League, that there's too much money being thrown around to the clubs. Again, that that's a completely different topic, but at least. They're all sold together, um, you know, from the likes of, you know, to Sky, to um, Fox, to wherever else. And that helps it grow as a brand and everyone gets their, you know, gets a certain amount of money. Maybe it's not fair. I, I don't know the setup exactly, but, uh, you know, at, at least it, it looks out for all the clubs where this Lubos uh, clearly have a certain stance don't they? And as much as they're being strong in, within their stance, it's also been a detriment to, to the club, uh, to the, the football team. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. And I, I think there's many uh, an issues that that need to be addressed. Um, I think uh, some of the Mexican soccer show guys were mentioning the other week that Liga MX is obviously very big. It's very popular. Um, it's one of the biggest leagues in the world, uh, outside especially the European ones. Mm-hmm. But what is better run, that or the MLS? Well, it's bigger than MLS, but actually MLS is a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And and I, th- I think that they could do with almost getting someone, you know, from MLS or from the experience of setting that up and getting it going into Liga MX and just almost sorting it out. But things are never as easy as that, are they? And whether they'd want to do that... Uh, I, I don't know, but yeah, there's many things need to be addressed. Um, and I think Lubos, unfortunately, are being tied into uh, many of these uh, issues in themselves, uh, being newly promoted and also having you know, these financial issues. Yeah, that's it. that's exactly it. I think they need to look at restructuring and that's business sides of things. And I mean, this, this plays into a whole bunch of, you know, the things that you just mentioned. Um I cover major league soccer quite closely. And when it comes to professionalism and, you know, Tim and I recently spoke about that on the football grab podcast after we spoke to, we were able to speak to Jerome of one of the players. And when it comes to the way they treat the press, the way the infrastructure is, the way clubs are run, it's second to none. And I think as Liga MX grows in popularity and as it becomes a more global league, a league that's more recognized around the world, I think they have to look at this and, you, you know, they, they're beating uh, MLS on the pitch. They now have to do it off the pitch as well. And um, maybe even just looking at it. And I think maybe something like the formation of the Super League where they're, where they will be working closer together, you know, and have a competition where they both participate and will, will do them good to learn about that off, off pitch experience. But yeah. Um, sadly, price. We're almost out of time, aren't we? And we're, I've been looking. I've been looking online, and there's no updates on um, what's happening on with all the Liga MX games um, this week. So we can't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we'll probably leave it on this occasion yeah. to uh, address 
you know, a game of the week to watch. I think if any game goes ahead, yeah. uh, I would like you to tune in, sure. Um, but I don't know whether we're we're going to get any. Um, we we can just uh, send our best wishes to the people of uh, Mexico and hope that everything yeah. is okay. Piazza uh, Mexico, by the way, and I, I, you know, my thoughts go out to all the people that we know down there, and um, to the victims and their families. It's it's a tough time for the country right now, so. Um, want to address that real quick. And, um, it's, it's such a wonderful place, Bryce. It's such a wonderful country of wonderful people. So I, I hope that they can get through this time quickly. Um, and that, they, you know, everything, everything works out well. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think on that note, uh, we'll more or less, uh, wrap it up and just hope that all is well, uh, with, um, well, uh, everyone that possibly can be. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week that you'd like to uh, like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, I mean, we covered the midweek Bundesliga games. We're doing a big Champions League Europa League preview on Football Grad podcast tomorrow. That's, of course, the um, the game, Liverpool-Spartak game uh, in, in, in Moscow, and then the Moscow-Manchester United game. We're covering that, and we're doing a big Man City-Shachter Donetsk preview as well, and all the wrap-up last week's action, and um, so that's coming your way. And the previews are coming soon as well. And uh, Tim and I will be back in Vancouver on Saturday, so some live action from that, and... Yeah, always plenty going on um, on the Football Grad Network. Um, so I think the one thing that I really want to point out, if you like what we do, iTunes, uh, please give us a review. Um, it really helps us grow and it really helps, uh, you know, getting other people to listen to the, to the show, which hopefully uh, you enjoy. Yeah, definitely, guys. Uh, if you could leave a few uh, positive comments or you know, in a review or um, give us a good rating, we'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, thanks for tuning in uh, once again. I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn Eleven. Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we've got some games uh, to talk about uh, this time next week. Thank you. if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.